Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Along with me, Steve Titchener and John McAlevey. And this is the latest edition of the More Sports Now podcast as we come to you in a little bit of a switch. Yes, from a Westfield studio, but we've moved to a different section of town from where we normally record with Steve. But we're still local. We're giving you news from both sides of the Hudson. And there is some news finally. And gentlemen, it's not about, oh, can we get back to play? Are we getting back to play? What are these sports going to do? But there's actually some real news to talk about, and that involves the team that I'm employed by and for which I do the radio play-by-play, along with some other things. The New Jersey Devils hire a new head coach, and they pull the interim tag off the general manager. So a lot of news coming out of the Devils today is Tom Fitzgerald is named executive vice president and general manager. Again, as he said, having the interim tag ripped off him and the Devils introduce Lindy Ruff as the 19th head coach in Devils history and Ruff comes over as an assistant over the last few years with the New York Rangers but prior to that coached the Dallas Stars and had a long run with the Buffalo Sabres he is in the top 10 all-time in wins and he is an addition to the Devils that I think caught some people by surprise but I think he's going to wind up with a pretty good run with the Devils because that is his history. So good news on the hockey side for the Jersey Club, boys. Yeah, winning record and uh, a lot of experience. So I'm thinking the Devils wanted to go with experience at the end of the day on that. Well, I think what it is, Steve, is you see it in sports all the time, right? John Hines came in as not an unknown per se, but he was not at the National Hockey League level. He had success at the American Hockey League level. He had done some coaching internationally for uh, the United States program, but it didn't work out the way anyone would have liked. There are a variety of reasons for that, but in the end, John was fired. So now, are you going to go with inexperience or are you going to go with experience? And of course, you're going to tilt to experience. And they get an experienced guy who, yeah, has had success. He's built programs. He's taken a team to the Stanley Cup final. He's taken teams to conference finals. He just hasn't gotten those last four wins to win a Stanley Cup championship. And he's a player, too. So, yeah, they were going with the experience factor this time around. He, he, There were a number of other guys who had experience, too, that were supposedly in the mix, reportedly in the mix. But in the end, Lindy is the guy they tap on the shoulder. And it was a good hire, Matt, that he has all that experience because, as you well know, the Devils are one of the NHL's youngest teams. So you're bringing in a guy who's not on his first rodeo. Uh, so that's a positive. I will also say on a personal note, Tom Fitzgerald was a classmate of mine as uh, as a Providence College student. Um, and I am happy to see that he has had the interim tag ripped off and he will now be the 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 de facto general manager for the Devils. Yeah, so yeah he's when, the guy. Yeah, when you see him in the hallways, please tell him that Johnny Max says hello from the old Stevens uh, Stevens Hall days back at uh, PC. I know that his time with the Friars is very important to him, so I certainly will mention that. Were you guys? Did you guys share the dorm per se? Were you roommates? Did you have classes together? Give me a little bit more, other than Stevens. Yeah, he was. Uh, that was the dorm he was in. I was. I was lucky enough to be in um, Raymond Hall, which was across the way. And of course, anybody that knows anything about Providence, the the, the campus is like the postage stamp. It's pretty small. So we were close by, and I was lucky enough to have 
the uh, the dorm that had the main cafeteria on campus. So in the winter time, winters in Rhode Island are, are rather rather rough. Uh, I didn't have to put any coats or anything on to have to bear the elements to go down and have have my uh, food. So they would all come over. But he was in a group of friends that uh, that I knew pretty well, and so um, we would see each other in, in um, you know social gatherings. He was, uh, but as a player, I mean, he was mainly involved in staying in shape and, and being around the team, but he would, uh, one of his good friends was a good friend of mine. So I kind of got well, to know him in that lay, respect. Lay the name on me. So when I see Tommy and talk to him next, I can drop a name. Okay. Tell him Mike Wansey. Mike Wansey? Mike Wansey, G-U-A-N-C-I. He was, uh, he was a dear friend of Tom's and he used to do the play-by-play on uh, Friars WDOM hockey. So, uh, so Mike was around the team and was, was really good friends with Fitz, uh, back in the day, whether they still are to this day, I don't know, but, um, that's how I was introduced to, uh, to Tom was through Mike. And, uh, he was a terrific play-by-play guy. A lot of people thought that he should have pursued that as a career. Um, but, um, they were good friends back in the day. So you could tell them that, uh, Johnny Mack, who was friends with Guanci, uh, says hello. Well, it's uh, six degrees of separation. The Kevin Bacon rule applies. Steve, do you know anybody <laughs> from Providence College that I can, you know, drop on Tom Fitzgerald? And Matt, back to Lindy Ruff. Is oh, I'm reading. No, I guess that was a no. That was an out and out no. I don't know anybody at Providence College. <laughs> oh, you know, I was. I, I'm just. I'm digging into my uh, my. Uh, Google searches and such. So uh, once you guys started getting deep into Providence, I faded a little bit there. Yeah, but I'm here. I'm I'm reading that he's uh, very much defensive specialist, Matt. So was that also part of this whole thing that the, the Devils certainly need to address that? Well, I understand why you bring that up. And yeah, Google search would tell you Lindy Ruff is a defensive coach. And that's because early in his career with Buffalo, they did not have much offense. And he relied heavily on a Hall of Fame goaltender, Dominic Hoshik, one of the game's greats. And so you got to make bread with the ingredients you have, and he became known as a defensive coach. But if you do a little deeper dive, you'll see that uh, in some other parts of his career he had highly offensive teams in fact there was a club later in his tenure in in buffalo that led the league in scoring so i i think he can play it both ways yes i would say he is more known as a defensive coach but i don't know if that's as much the result of who he had on his roster versus his philosophy i will tell you this you can't lock it down even if you have a great goaltender you cannot lock it down the way you once did And so uh, he will have to have had an evolution in his thinking. He says he has, and he is just, you know, he wants to be an up-tempo pressure team, get out of your own zone, put the pressure on the other team uh, as quickly as you can. So I I think labels sometimes are hard to shake. The Devils have been known as a defensive organization and the trap and boring hockey. And yet in 2000 and then in 2001, they were among the highest scoring teams in the league while going to a Stanley Cup final, losing in 2001, but winning the year before in 2000. So, yeah, labels sometimes are hard to shake. But, uh, you know, I mean, he was a defenseman and he did have defensive oriented clubs. So I understand why that uh, that might be the case. And does this does this hurt the Rangers? I mean, he was assistant with the Rangers. Um, 
and I think he was working, he was overhauling their defense in a, in a sense, right? So, I mean, that's where it's, uh, a lot of this is coming from, too. And, uh, you know, they got to go, they got to find another assistant coach, obviously. Is yeah. he going to stick with the Rangers, Matt, through, the, through this startup again? Or now that he's now the head coach of the Devils, do they want him out of there? No, of? no, he's done with the Rangers, and he is now okay. a member of the Devils family. And so, yes, the Rangers do have to replace somebody there. Uh, he had responsibility on the defensive side. And it's funny because there are a bunch of Ranger fans who have rejoiced at the news that he's leaving because they have been at times leaky defensively. But you look at the personnel he has, and they are more offensive in nature. Adam Fox is more of an up-tempo guy. Uh, You have um, Tony D'Angelo, Jersey kid, who's more of an up-tempo guy. Uh, And, you know, you you have to do... Uh, you know, uh, and work with who you have. And so I think he's worked with a more offensive group, which means generally, not always, that the old uh, the old defense is forgotten about when guys think about putting the puck in the net. So, you know, Ranger fans seem to be a little happy because they think it'll improve their defense. If you don't improve the players, it's not going to improve the defense. And remind me, Matt, uh, why these coaches in the in hockey move so much i mean you know you got like pete gabor now you know former devil's coach he, he went over to the sharks now he's with the golden knights i mean john hines got hired what uh, again i mean so it, they just it, they just move around so much so much more than other sports yeah my, my take on that steve is that hockey is not as I like to say, a very wide river, but it's very deep. And so there are a lot of relationships. And there's not as much, it's a more traditional thinking sport, even though analytics is starting to play a bigger and bigger role in the sport. And owners are forcing old school guys to think differently. But I think that's a part of it. So for instance, uh, in the case of John Hines, John gets fired by the Devils. Nashville is scuffling a little bit. David Poyle is the general manager of the Nashville Predators. He knows, I mean, he's been trying to win a Stanley Cup literally since the day he took the job, which was even before they played their first game. They've come close. They've gone to a Stanley Cup final. They can't get over the top. He's got a team. It's not an aging core. He's tried to change the players, but he's got a core group that kind of this is it. If if it doesn't work here, we're going to have to start thinking about restructuring the team. And that puts you back. So I think David Poyle is sitting there saying the brass ring is right there. I've got to fire my coach. So he fires Peter Laviolette. Well, who's available? He could go with an assistant coach or he looks around and says, oh, wait a minute, I know John Hines from his days with uh, Hockey USA. Uh, I've worked with him on the international level. I like a lot of the things that he says. He did take the Devils to a playoff spot in his run. The problem with John is that um, this um, I'm just thinking how. Uh, the GM would think, is that he didn't have the horses in New Jersey, but I've got a more veteran team. His message will resonate and will be okay. So I think a lot of that happens. And I think a lot of it is based on past relationships and just not thinking outside the box. So uh, this is 
you know, there's a connection here with the Devils. I mean, Tom Fitzgerald actually played in Florida when Lindy began his coaching career. He was an assistant then, but Tom was a player there. So everybody knows everybody in hockey, and these two guys have had some sort of a relationship for over a quarter of a century. And so I think that happens a lot in the sport while guys just keep going round and round. But I can give you new guys who have taken, John Hines would be an example of a guy who kind of came up uh, through the ranks. David Quinn, a college coach, is now coach is now coaching the New York Rangers. So there there is some outside the box thinking, but there is a lot of same old, same old, let's get a guy who did it and see if he can do something here. And so, you know, speaking of Tom Fitzgerald, you know, so you got a ton of experience with Lindy Ruff as as a head coach. How much experience? I mean, this is his first go around as a GM. It is. He was Ray Shiro's assistant. He worked as an assistant in Pittsburgh for a while prior to that. So he's never sat until he took over for Ray. He never sat in the big office and had to make the big decisions. I think ownership, I know ownership, like some of the moves that he has made, the trades that he made, giving up some talent, but building for the future. I think they like the message that he has espoused in areas where the devils need to be better. Definitely on the back end defensively, definitely they need to be stronger to play against, harder to play against. So I think his message resonated. Yeah, everyone's got to have a first day of the first mm-hmm. shot, and, and this is his. But I think he'll I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. He's been around the game a long, long time. Played over a thousand games, which is a lot. Has been around as a coach and assistant GM, and so so we'll see. You know, it would have helped if the Devils won the draft lottery and they added a guy like Alexi Lafreniere, but that won't happen. Uh, the talent pool would have infinitely gotten bigger had we won the draft. So uh, that's part of it, and you know, you got to have a little luck. But I, I think he's well suited for the, for the gig. Awesome. And he so knows John. And he knows John. That's right. And he knows <laughs> through, through, hold on. Through Mike Gauncey. Mike Gauncey, yes. Gauncey. Gauncey. I'm yep. sorry. Gauncey and Stevens Hall? He lived in Stevens Hall, yes. Okay. And you lived where the cafeteria was? I lived in Raymond. Raymond Hall. All right. I'm going to bring this yes, all up. That's a pretty yeah. cool connection, though. Yeah. yeah. So what does he do with his current roster now? There's a lot of decisions uh, uh, have to be made. And, um, you know, the whole thing with Subban didn't really work out last year. And uh, what uh, what is what does he have to concentrate on right out of the gate? Well, he has. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got to find a way to improve the defense, uh, make them a little bigger little stronger. I don't think PK's going anywhere. He's got two years left at nine mil. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he was as bad as his numbers would suggest last year. And certainly the second half of the year or this year, second half of the year was better, but certainly not what many people, myself included, thought he might be able to do, bring a little pizzazz and offense. And that didn't happen. But I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, They've got Damon Severson. Uh, They've got uh, a young kid that they hope will make his NHL debut when the next year comes around, next season comes around in in the name of Ty Smith. So they've got a couple of guys that they can hang their hat on, but they're going to need to to find somebody. And the truth of the matter is a big star is not coming to the Devils, not at this stage of their career or the Devils stage of building. So it's going to have to be one of those 
relatively lower priced veteran guys that plays just a solid game. And I think there are a few of them out there. So he'll pursue the free agent route. He'll try to make some trades. The Devils are in good position from a cap standpoint. There are teams that are going to struggle with the cap. Uh, and so there may be a player or two that springs free because of that. So, you know, that, I think that's going to be his approach. Second, a backup goalie, if they feel they need one, that'll be something he'll look at. I'm not sure what his belief is in Corey Schneider. We know that Mackenzie Blackwood will be the starter going into camp, and unless he absolutely blows up, he will be the number one guy, but they'll need someone to back him up. I'm not sure what Tom's faith is in in Corey and whether they'll say, well, with his salary, let's give him a chance, but a very short leash. So we need to have somebody of a veteran status to come in and be a third wheel, a guy that can go down to the minors willingly to keep sharp. But as soon as Corey struggles, he comes right up to help. So I, I would say those are the areas that he'll look to do something uh, with. And just one more from me, Matt, and that's we, we never really took a look at last season because it you know it's still going in yeah sense, strange so right? hopefully hopefully going right but it wasn't that bad i mean it was just a horrendous start to the season for for the devils i mean just really like like bad luck bad what, what so you know and then and then they played better so what was it as bad as you know it, it looked on the on the on the wins and losses anyway well that's a really good question you're absolutely right the beginning of the season was a complete disaster breakdowns late leads given up and digging a hole that they just couldn't climb out of so i don't know who the devils are really um jack hughes didn't have the kind of year that anyone expected uh, in hindsight an 18-year-old who didn't even play in a high-level junior league, had no college experience, never really played against anyone much older than he. Probably the burden of expectations was too much, and he didn't really play on a great team. Nico Heischer needs to take a step forward. He didn't quite develop the way you would like, although I think his trajectory is still fantastic. They just didn't have enough depth. They had terrible goaltending that was all part of that bad start and so by time they turned around and then the coach gets fired and MVP gets traded GM gets fired like there was such turmoil with the Devils it just took a while and that's why Fitzy I think one of the reasons Fitzy got the job was he, he was able to take over a ship that was sinking with a lot of changes young players kind of looking around going, what the heck? Veterans looking around going, what the heck is going on here? Knowing full well that their season had gone off the rails early and there was almost no chance of them getting it back on track, at least getting to a playoff spot. And I think he did a pretty good job of finally settling things down. Elaine Nazardine, the interim head coach, uh, who may or may not be a part of Lindy Ruff's staff. I I'm sure he'll interview for a position. I just don't know if you can be the interim head coach and come back as an assistant, especially early in your career. At any rate, Elaine deserves a lot of credit, too, for being able to get the Devils to settle in and play some hockey. But they need an upgrade in talent, that's for sure. So he's got a full plane is what you're trying to tell us. He will have a busy summer up there in <laughs> New England. Anyway, you mentioned return to play, Steve, and we've talked about it a lot and so much and things like that. And it looks like we're 
kind of making our way toward it. Uh, there are a couple of things we want to talk about. One is the issue of sports teams changing their long-held nicknames. But the other thing before we get to that is about this return to play. I think on the professional side, they can figure it out. There's enough resources there. But the colleges seem to be taking a little bit of a turn away from that. Uh, we saw the Ivy League this week say, hey, you know what? Forget about it. We're going to play our fall sports. Uh, we're not going to play fall sports, and, and, and they'll look to the spring, I guess. Spring football will be interesting. They're a different cat, a different animal altogether. But nonetheless, I think there are some players around the collegiate scene and some universities who are saying, might they be on to something? And the Big Ten apparently is thinking of something about the schedule just so they can mitigate any potential exposures. And, you know, I, I said it last week, you know, my fixation with college football, which is just like a pops on my list. So, you know, you know, the IBs, is this, is this going to be a domino effect? You know, and we were, we'll go back all the way to when this whole thing started and the NBA, you know, killed their season and then it all just tumbled from there. Um, you know, uh, for some reason, I just think the Ivies would be extra cautious, um, uh, you know, because they don't have the, um, you know, it's not it's not on the top. It's not a top priority. Athletics are not a top priority, you know, you, you, at uh, Princeton. As opposed to yeah. Alabama, which is like Alabama football is just right. you know the top of the list. But again, you know, is it uh, are they just being the most sensible here? Uh, mm -hmm. Now we're hearing that uh, the big uh, the Big Ten conference is just going to do conference schedule only. Um, I guess that's just to mitigate uh, the the, um, uh, the 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 problem really and just, uh, limit exposure by limiting games. You know, it's. Um, it's just a, it's just a tough spot. Yes. And, um, so and I, you know, certainly the Ivy League um, just going right ahead and canceling the whole thing. Certainly con it, it, it's concerning uh, on, on whether, you know, we're going to have football or not. College will, football will the Ivy League be will we follow the, the Rudy Gobert effect? Remember, he was the one that <laughs> yes. tested positive. Yeah, he was the guy once that crossed the wires, the. The kids from Rutgers were in their layup lines at the Big Ten tournament, <laughs> and Rudy Gobert test positive. The NBA's canceled the season. Bing! That was it. Yeah. Everything was over except for the first half. That ridiculous first half yeah. they played in the Big East Conference. But you know, no offense to the to the Ivy Leagues, but is anybody going to miss the Ivy League fall sports? I mean, other than the the kids that are playing, who who I feel for, they put in all that time and have been working out and, and staying in shape to play in those sports. And of course their parents and the coaches there. But um, like you said, I, I don't think anybody's going to be missing, you know, that Cornell Brown football tussle on a Saturday afternoon, like they would say Alabama and Auburn uh, right. down the road, but it'll be interesting. You know, these hot spots are popping up all around. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, you know, who's going to be the, the college, um, you know, the chancellor that's going to say, all right, our campuses are closed, except we're playing football on Saturdays. You know, all the football players have to be here. And so it's going to be a very slippery slope, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they navigate all this moving forward. So the closer we get to maybe getting on the field, maybe the closer we're moving further away in some respects. And I would think that, you know, the MLB, 
you know, get, getting back on the diamond, uh, NBA, get back on the court and watching how these leagues, if watching how it all works out. And if there's, uh, uh, if there's not a lot of, um, uh, cases and there's, a, you know, there's not a serious problem with, with players becoming infected, but we're seeing just in spring training and, you know, certainly at some of these college campuses as well, when the players, I mean, Ohio State had to shut down practice because a number of players had uh, tested positive. So, you know, just, you know, just want to, you, know, you want to see that things go well in the, you know, in, 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 in the camps and such. And so far, man, it's just been kind of so-so in that in terms. There's there's been some some areas where some teams have had a lot of uh, a lot of cases, and uh, so uh, it, it certainly isn't convincing that everything is fine. Oh, and by the way, there's uh, there's spikes all over the country right now. So, uh, which is supposed to go into the fall. Uh, that, that's what we're hearing anyway. Well, there's no question it's going to happen. Without without a vaccine, this virus is just going to go on and on and on. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the truth. Um, it's contagious. It does kill people. Uh, it's killed more than the flu. But at the same time, as we hear these numbers increasing around the country, I, I don't hear this dramatic increase like we saw earlier in the COVID crisis of deaths. And I'm not saying that's the only measure uh, that, that we need to take, but there is that balance, right? And we're, I'm moving out of sports into economics, but like, wh- what do you do? What, what are you willing to accept as the fallout from increasing, uh, increasingly opening the economy uh, versus, you know, just shutting everything down to try to save one person. And I, and I know it's not to save that one person, that last person. But I guess it's the same thing. Like, what do you what do you do? What level of risk are you willing to accept? And what willing uh, level of risk is the university willing to take? I mean, it's pretty hard for a university to say, listen, we don't think that we're going to open campus. It's going to be all or almost all online. And we're only going to have a few classes and they're going to be very small in nature. But oh, by the way, we don't mind having 90 of our student athletes get together every day for practice, even though they'll be tested. I, I just I don't know. It's it I, it's a bit of a moral dilemma, along with a medical situation. The way I look at it, I, I think the university presidents lie uneasy, wondering what might happen. I agree. There's no doubt. Yeah, Steve. What do you think? Well, you know, I just think that um, I've the concerns for um, the, the concerns. Let, let's look at the PGA, for example. I mean, you know, when I, I said, "Look, this is great," uh, with, the, with the first uh, tournament, uh, when they first rolled out the first tournament in Texas, no one tested positive. Like, look at this, fantastic, good news. No caddy, over three hundred people tested, three hundred players and, and caddies tested, and now you know it, it's you know it's starting to. Uh, it's it, there's started there's what now five i believe golfers that have tested positive now and um and then there's concern from other golfers who are aren't sure that they want to uh play uh now that they're, they're concerned uh you know over the over you know transmission so you know brooks kopka webb sipson are, are players that aren't going to play this this uh this weekend and so um you know, when you see that kind of thing, when you see it start out, the you know, 
very positively, and then all of a sudden some issues are rolling in, um, you, you start to think that this is a bad idea. Yeah, frankly, is it is this a bad idea? Is this something that, that, that uh, shouldn't be happening right now? Yeah. Although, on the other end of that is that, that um, um, deaths are, are down. Um, so uh, the treatment is is better. Um, there's not as much of a surprise now. Hospitals are handling it better, although I think, Matt, you just said that uh, even even locally, some of the hospitals are starting um, to uh, uh, to to see patients again when it was when it was down considerably. And now um, and that's now in a that's, state that has locked things yes. down. So yeah. now you're going to states that haven't locked things down. And I think you're seeing that Florida and Arizona have realized their mistakes and they're trying a bit to put the genie back in the bottle. It's awfully hard. How about this, though? So David Price decides, you know what? I, I, I don't want to pitch this year. And he's forfeiting almost $12 million in salary. Now, I'm sure he looked at his bank account. I'm sure he spoke to his financial advisor and said, can I yes. do this? And they said, yeah, you, you signed a lot of big deals. You're, you're, in good <laughs> you're in good shape. But still, $12 million he walked away from. What if Trevor Lawrence says, you know what? I don't really feel like I want to play football for Clemson. Are they going to honor yeah. a scholarship? Does he stay in school? Yeah. Interesting question. I don't know. Does the NCAA give him an extra year of eligibility? So I think, you know, I think when we're talking about colleges, it's a whole different world. And look, Justin Williams, who plays for the Carolina Hurricanes, was asked the other day because they're one of the teams that that is going to try to get back to this return to play. And he said, look, we we are just going to have to get on each other's case. I'm, I'm not quoting him exactly. But he said, we're going to have to make it clear to the guys who screw around like that is unacceptable. You're not only putting yourself at risk and that's your right, but you're putting us at risk and our ability to play this game and so on and so forth. So I think it's a little easier in a smaller environment. You're only talking 23 players on a on a hockey team. Most of them are mature. Not all. Most. Most of them right. are older. But now you're going to take 100 kids at Alabama on a football program. And I'm not saying they're all wahoos and they're all wild and they're all going to do the wrong thing. But I do know that they are between the ages of 18 and 23. And I know what 18 to 23-year-olds did and do because I have a son in that age group and I was in that age group. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, there's going to be peer pressure, but there's also going to be like, hey, don't worry about it. It's just a little party. We'll be okay. I, look, I, I don't know. I don't know. Every time yeah. I talk about this damn thing, I find myself being more of a doom and gloom guy than I want to be. Sure. But I think there's some reality to it. And, and I think college football, college athletics is going to have to take a real long, hard look at it. A pro, you're getting paid the the amount of money available to make sure everyone is tested and tested and tested. Again. Like, for instance, there's no way the Big Ten could have a quarantine city. There's no way they can't yes. afford it, but the NHL can, yeah. the NBA well, can. Right. They have you know, deep Matt, enough pockets to do things like that. And it's only for yes. one sport. Like the NHL is saying, listen, I'm only worried about 31 hockey teams, 24 of which will play. If you're the, if you're the chancellor at, 
Ohio State or the Rutgers University president, you've got to go, okay, well, I know we got Greg Schiano and the 100 kids there. What are we doing about the field hockey team, the women's soccer team, the men's soccer team, the cross-country team? Wrestling is practicing now. College basketball has off-season workouts now. What are we doing there? What about the cheerleaders? What about the band? And that's just talking about that end of the world. Never mind the 25,000 students who are on campus. And do they have the money to say, don't worry about it. We will take care of each and every one of you to the best that we can from a medical standpoint, from a quarantining standpoint, from a diagnosis Mm -hmm. standpoint. And and they just can't. They just can't. Well, you mentioned the Big Ten and we were talking about it. What were they going to do? They just the ruling just came down that they announced today that they will be going to conference only season for all fall sports, including football. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, if college football is to be played this fall, the Big Ten presidents and athletic directors prefer playing just a conference-only schedule, which would eliminate long-distance travel and help ensure that their teams are being tested for the virus universally, multiple sources have told ESPN. So there you have it. Yeah. Not not something that comes as a surprise. No, and not Rutgers really. had three nice local games, too. I mean, uh, I, Monmouth University, I'm down at the shore, so, you know— team from West Long Branch going up to Piscataway. That was kind of neat. It's the first time they would ever play. And it's a game that Rutgers could win. Hello. And then Syracuse on the schedule and Temple on the schedule. So, so some old, lo, some local game, games that now nah, I was very excited about. And uh, uh, now it's just a, a conference only, which again, as I said earlier, is Again, I mean, if if um if the concern is so much that you're canceling three games, wow, um that that'll probably be reevaluated again. Let's face it, guys, and um, uh, I guess we're just going to see again what what's going to happen late summer, fall, whether the spike is going to fall off across the country, and again how MLB uh, goes about it, how things work out there, and you know uh, other how other sports. You know, if the yeah. NHL gets on the ice and what happens there. Yeah. Well, the NBA watch. got together in Orlando. They're just starting. That just happened yep. today. Yep. So we'll see there. Uh, and again, I talked about it last week and I did some research. There really hasn't been any, cor- I won't say none, but very minimal Corona-related incidents involving the EPL since their return to play. So I don't know, other than the testing that they do and and the pro teams pro leagues here will do they haven't quarantined the players those guys do their thing they go home and listen they're young got money they're they're no different than the guy who plays in the nba or in the nhl young athletes with a lot of coin and time on their hands and popularity so somehow the epl has been able to avoid a real backlash yeah so and listen let's face it you know, not and not every player in the EPL is from England, but England did a horrible job, as we did in parts of the United States, of recognizing the the situation. Mm-hmm. So it's not like England shut down right away and okay, that's why they're able to do it. And you know, again, they have players from all over the world, but somehow the EPL is, has kind of escaped unscathed at this point. Although they've only been back for a couple of weeks, so we'll see. Yeah, but that's good. That's a good uh, precursor, hopefully, for what we we would have here. Yeah, still. But as I, as I said last week, fellas, I will believe that we're going to see sports of any kind on the field, on the court, on the pitch, on the whatever the diamond on the ice when I see it with my own two eyes. And so uh, I hope that I'm wrong, but 
I, I don't know. I, I just I think everyone's going to err on the side of caution. So I'm cautiously um, optimistic. See. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that we've seen enough testing that's been done in the early going. And, uh, you know, yes, there are players who have it. There are players who've been quarantined. There are players who have opted out of playing. But I, I just think unless there's some big sledgehammer that's about to fall on the professional side, that we'll be able to get going. But again, the measures that they've taken are far different than what they can do on yeah. the college level. And I think that makes the, it makes it different from a lot of standpoints. So we'll see. Well, fellas, I know your ne- what your next question is going to be, and I'm sure it's that same of, of our many listeners is, but there has been no ruling yet from the South Mountain Boys Basketball League here that uh, my eighth grade kids participated. <laughs> so I don't know whether our season will go on as planned, but uh, when, when word does finally come down, I will be sure to let everybody know so you can mark your calendars for this uh, for this winter. Yeah. And you know what? What is it? It's July 10th, July yes. 9th today, 9th. July 9th yes. as we record this. And like September, I'm thinking about school, like never mind colleges, just like the local yeah. schools here in town and yeah, around the country. The balance. You know, we don't know, even know you know these kids are going to be going back to school. It's what is I, Sandy I, here, Steve? What is what is your wife here? She has she heard anything about whether she. She had such, I mean, she, they, you know, she, there's a lot of challenges with the remote learning and all that stuff. So she's still coming off of that once it finally got the, you know, to the end of the year. It was quite a challenge. So yeah. she's almost like, I don't even want to talk about it. But she does have a regular meetings with her team. And uh, there hasn't been any official announcement yet. Obviously, a lot has to do with what uh, what the state announces, too. Yeah. Um, I think her preference, absolutely, is to go back. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just from her, from a job, from the challenges of a job, yes. she'd rather be in a classroom. I mean, most yes. teachers are in that in that situation with the, with the hands-on uh, uh, learning as opposed to, you know, the uh, the remote learning. So she she wants to go back, but uh, you know, just like everybody, she just wants it to be everybody to be as safe as possible, and what needs to be done needs to be done. So uh, yes. we'll see, and then we, you know, and we got a big decision also. At Pitt with with our son, uh, with yeah. James going into his sophomore year and his you know his freshman year cut short. Anyway, he came home, and uh, you know in 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 March and he he rolled with it pretty well. But I you know I talked to him. And he wants he wants to go back to school. He wants to go back to Pitt. He loved it. And uh, so, what's going to happen there um, uh, is still uh, is still up in the air as well. Right. Although we're hearing a lot of different things, so, you know, possibility uh, a, a choice of of, of going ahead with uh, remote uh, learning and, and not doing the room and board thing or or going and have a limited limited schedule at school where they don't um, they have remote learning at school and they go to a handful of, of classes and then all you know the whole they have to wear a mask and all that so they're, they're talking about a lot of different things so um, a lot of things have been told to us but uh, no nothing official yet. And I think there are a lot of places that are in that position because you know that you cannot lock things down for another six, eight months, a year until we get a vaccine. You just can't. Like right. it. So not that anyone is suggesting that, but 
clamping down the way we did in New Jersey did flatten the curve. It didn't eliminate it because the disease right now doesn't have anything that fights it and kills it. There is no vaccine. So the best we could do is hammer it down. But it came at a tremendous cost. We have no idea when that bill comes due what it's going to look like. Our taxes are going to be through the roof. People won't recover, won't have jobs. The amount of uh, defaults on mortgages, the people not paying rents, the businesses that won't be in existence anymore. It's incredible. We're just kind of hanging on saying, okay, okay, uh, you know, we kind of sort of could get through this for the it's been three months, a little over three months. You want to do this for another six? I don't know that you can. On the other hand. The, uh, the, the, the other thing is, okay, well, let's open it up. And then the virus just creeps right back in there. Right. It's, it's crazy, man. It is crazy times. Well, just think about Jersey alone. I mean, we were getting set on July 2nd to open 25% capacity at the brewery. And then that got pulled out uh, because, uh, you, you know, the, the, the spreads, the, you know, the, these spikes started. And now it's, it's gone as far as Murphy announcing that um, it's, it, Folks in New Jersey wear masks outside yeah. as well. Yeah, only if you uh, so, can't social yeah. distance. Right. So if you're you walking out down your street, you don't have to. But yeah, right, right. And if you're too, if you're in a tight area where you're outside and you're not six feet away, so you know it's 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 going the other way is the point. Yeah. And then I mean, if you come back to sports on that, well, it doesn't bode well unless we have like some really good news, guys, over the next month or so, right? And going Boy, can September. we use that? Yeah. We can certainly use yeah. that. I mean, 2020 yep. has been an unmitigated disaster <laughs> it in has many been. respects. But you know what? At least you we know? can watch we can watch baseball, right? They're back. It's only intra squads, but it's back. And again, There'll be fits and starts and guys will get sick and guys will bail, but it is back and progressing. Hockey soon will be back in the same boat. Basketball's just started. So we're getting there, but it's not going to look the same. And there's there's no guarantee we'll reach that finish line. And anymore. hey, I'm going to watch Hamilton on Disney Plus tonight. I'm off. So I'm excited about that. Actually. Nice. Well, that that is if they don't cancel it by then. I mean, get get moving on to our sort of our next story about the the nicknames and the the names of teams. The cancel culture is out, and they're out yeah. in force. So how? Well, that'll have to be uh, that'll have to be uh, next week's show. Cause yeah, we we have gone cool. long here. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Is uh, you know, I said, hey guys, we got to talk about something else. Except, will there or will won't there be sports? But yet, that's kind of dominating the the news cycle. Is you know yeah. you you know the Ivies cancel all of all the sports. You got it. You know, uh, Big Ten makes their announcement. Uh, you know, so uh, it, it, it's just it's it's constantly evolving. And that's kind of what look, that's what we've been all about the, the last, you know, you know, six or so weeks. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's qu- the truth. no, no doubt about it. That is for sure. It's um, it is an interesting world that we're well, we in. Got some devil's news in there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, Lindy Ruff is the head coach of the New Jersey Devils. 19th coach in Devils history. Tom Fitzgerald named the. Full-time, if you will, uh, the interim tag removed, uh, the executive VP and general manager of the team. And so onward and upward, they're looking to start back on December 1st, first game of next season. But still, we have to get through the end of this season. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. 
So we'll see. Yes, sir. Anyway, uh, we did go longer than we thought. We will talk about the changes that may be coming for nicknames. The Redskins, uh, will they change their long-held nickname, the Washington Redskins? What about the Cleveland Indians, the Atlanta Braves, the Chicago Blackhawks? How about the Florida Seminoles? Speaking of college, uh, there's a uh, there's a long list of names that are being looked at. And John, you're right. It's part of the conversation in today's world. So on, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Uh, an enjoyable, oh my goodness, 45 minutes or so speaking with Steve and John. Fellas, thanks. Be well, be safe, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.